the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our text is taken from the Gospel lesson we had a few moments ago, and I invite you to write and read with me, especially these particular passages. The girl at the door asked Peter, Surely you are not one of his disciples, are you? Peter replied, I am not. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. People got people whose faith is in Christ Jesus. I doubt whether many of us enjoy confrontations. I mean, when people really get into our face, especially when somebody is trying to uh, pin us to the wall. Now, for those people, that's a very unpleasant type of experience, especially when the other person is uh, continually firing questions at us. Um, and we also understand that they've already made up their mind that we are guilty. They're not out for justice. They're just out to make sure that we are condemned. And being in that kind of interrogation situation can be very, very difficult, especially when the answers to the questions that are given may be the difference between life and death. In the first half of the chapter 18 of John's Gospel, we see two scenes of interrogations and confrontation. And like a movie clip uh, from The Chosen or for some other film, God the Holy Spirit has St. John in his gospel bounce back and forth between these two scenes. The scenes both take place in the house of Annas, who had been a high priest for a number of years, but then the Romans deposed him, set his son-in-law, son Caiaphas, in his place. And these two particular scenes take place in locations that are very, very close to each other. <clears throat> John, could you stand up for a moment, please? Leo, could you stand up? The two scenes that are taking place in this gospel lesson happen about that distance apart. One scene is inside the house of Caiaphas, our man in honest. The other scene is in the courtyard. So I'd like for us to keep that in mind. Thank you, gentlemen. St. <laughs> John takes us inside where the interrogation of Jesus is taking place. Then he jumps to the courtyard where the interrogation is taking place with Simon Peter. Then he jumps back inside the house, outside of the courtyard, inside the house, outside to the courtyard. Now these interrogations, two separate interrogations taking place so very, but they're just a matter of a few feet from one another. Both the interrogations are designed to have Peter and Jesus deny their identities. They both have that same purpose. The interrogation of Peter attempted to have him deny that he was a follower of Jesus. The interrogation of Jesus was trying to get him to deny that he indeed is the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself. Now earlier that evening, during the Last Supper, Simon Peter was bold proclaiming his identity. 
said, Jesus, I am your most faithful follower. I will go with you no matter what the cost may be. Even if it is to death, I will follow you there. Now, Simon Peter was wearing a cross around his neck. And the Last Supper, he was boldly holding that cross out in front of everybody to see as he was saying, yes, I have faith that is going to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. But now that he's in a courtyard, now that he is surrounded with a yard full of enemies of Jesus, all of a sudden, Jesus, Peter is trying to hide that cross as much as he possibly can. The more questioning that took place, the further he stuck that cross beneath his robe. And so we see that by his actions, as fearful as pushing the cross deeper and deeper in sight, so it was totally out of sight. And the people, as they were asking the questions to him, or basically, they it's a, a question of mockery. Surely, you're not stupid enough to follow that man, are you? That's the inference of the question. And Simon Peter gladly answered their questions in the way that they wanted him to do so. Of course not. I am not one of his followers. What a contrast we see just several hours before when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, standing before a group of soldiers that Judas had led to arrest him. As they stood there in the darkness of the garden, it was an intense confrontation. As Jesus was surrounded by the soldiers, he asked, Whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And as Pastor Paul Zine helped us to understand in last week's uh, <clears throat> a Lenten devotion, Jesus boldly replies, I am. I am. The answer that Jesus gives not only states that he is the man that they were looking for, it is also stating that he is the God whom they have been seeking. He is none less than Yahweh, the great I am. As Jesus stood before the soldiers, he proclaimed, I am. <coughs> As Simon surrounded in the courtyard, Simon Peter proclaimed, I am not. I am not a father. We know what that's like. It's difficult to stake our faith and confidence in Christ Jesus when we are surrounded by those who don't share that faith. It's difficult to hold up the cross when we know that we are surrounded by people who often ridicule Christ Jesus and ridicule even anyone who follows him. How easy it is for us to join with Simon Peter. I am follower of Jesus. Several weeks ago, <clears throat> uh, some members of Christ Our King were meeting with four University of Michigan students uh, from the law school of business, and they are helping us with a particular project. 
And that closed the meeting, which we had in uh, room 12 down the hallway here. It closed the meeting. Uh, one of the young men came over to me and he said, I noticed that you wear your cross on the outside of your shirt. And I said, yes. And I said, well, the reason for that is some 30, 40 years ago, good friends gave me this cross and they said they get it. And I could have it under one condition. I could never hide it underneath my shirt. It had to be out there in front where other people could see to make sure that they could see the cross. So after I finished telling him that the young man reached into his shirt and pulled out his cross and walked out of the building. The next week I received an email from him and in that particular email, he signed it. It said, uh, he signed it, and then he put these words. And Pastor God, remember, cross on the outside. Cross <laughs> on the outside. Now, it's not a difficult thing for me to wear the cross on the outside. Because after all, many times, and most of the time, I'm around people who are fellow believers like you. When I wear my cross on the outside, most people who see me, most people that I become in contact with, uh, it's not, they, it's, a, it's something of value to them. Uh, they appreciate the cross. They like to see it. And it's, they don't threaten me uh, by their reaction to the cross. But for this young man, it's totally different. For this young man, it's totally different. Every day he's in the courtyard. Every day he's in the courtyard. Whether it's being with his roommates, whether it's walking across the campus, whether it's being in classrooms that are filled with self-help students, whether it's facing teachers, as he has the cross on the outside, it puts him into the courtyard. It puts him into the courtyard where many others do not value the cross. But many others see the sign of a cross, a follower of Jesus, as being something that is not very wise or very appropriate. He's wearing the cross in the courtyard. Where are our courtyards? <coughs> Where are our courtyards? Where do we find ourselves in places or among people who do not value Jesus or his followers? Years ago, there was a rather popular saying that was going around. It's something like this. If it were a crime to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If it were a crime to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? One thing is sure, when Simon Peter was in that courtyard, he definitely did not want to give any evidence that would find him guilty of being a follower of Jesus. The pressure of fear made him deny his identity. Deny his identity. I am not a follower of Jesus. And at the same time that Simon Peter is denying his identity in the courtyard, just less than 30 feet away, within the walls of the house, 
another interrogation to trying to force Jesus to deny his identity. Now, years ago in my civics class, we were taught <clears throat> that the United States has a rather unique view of someone who is on trial. It's a view and a perspective that is much different than most other governments. The perspective in the United States is that a person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. The principle, innocent until proven guilty. Do we see that in our society today? I don't think so. What a change our society has taken. It's much more the attitude of guilty, guilty, and even more guilty without any chance of trial. We see so much of this in the social media today. People think that it's their calling from God. It's their vocation. It's their privilege. It's their responsibility. It is their right to serve as witnesses, prosecuting attorney, jury, judge, over just about everything and anything and anyone. Us and the others who surrounded Jesus had already determined that Jesus was guilty. They'd already determined that. They'd already determined that they were going to condemn him as a worthless person, as a threat to the nation, and to the Jewish people as he led them into destruction. Now the truth be told is this. Jesus was a threat. But he was a threat to religious leaders, to their way of thinking, to their godless ways. They knew that if people continued to listen to Jesus and to follow him, that they would wind up then uh, and believe in Jesus. If people continued to do that, then it was going to be the religious leader's status and importance and financial security and lifestyles that would be threatened. Jesus was a threat with whom they were not willing to exist. And what was the result? The totally innocent one is judged as being completely guilty, as one who had to be eradicated. They judged Jesus as one who needed to be wiped away. Do we understand what's taking place here? The guilty one judged the innocent one as being worthy only of death. And the irony of the situation is that the ones who thought they were judges will someday have to stand before the totally innocent one whom they had judged as being totally guilty. And then they will have to listen to his righteous verdict of their lives. But what do we see in a court here? When I'm in inside the house in that interrogation, Jesus, the innocent one, refuses to defend himself. It's like the prophet Isaiah had said some 700 years before, he is like a lamb who has led this slaughter. Jesus stands in that earthly courtroom and does not defend himself. He is the righteous one, but he doesn't claim his own righteousness. He is the innocent one, but he doesn't defend himself. He has no guilt, but 
but he allows himself to be found guilty as one bearing the guilt of the world. And why does he do this? Because of a future courtroom, the heavenly courtroom, where every person, including you and me, will have to stand. And in that courtroom, there we discover Jesus, <clears throat> not only as our judge, but as our defense attorney, our defender, the one who stands for us. Jesus goes to the court before the religious leaders, but like everything else he does, it's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit. The Holy One, the Innocent One, stands in the place of sinners so that he can stand before the throne of our Heavenly Father where he will proclaim his forgiveness for sinful people, for people like you and me. He refuses to defend himself so that he can defend us, forgive us, cover our shame with his blood, our guilt with his suffering. You see, even before the trial started, Jesus, the innocent one, had already been found guilty. But because of what Jesus did for us, we can be absolutely confident that even before our trial begins on Judgment Day, we, the guilty one, have already been proclaimed the righteousness of God. The righteousness. Jesus, have mercy upon me and grant me your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've already had mercy upon me and you have already given me your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, help me live under your cross.